Hey, this is Chandler from SCTM Preps. We hope that you're enjoying the SCTM Preps podcast and all we have to offer. If you really, really enjoyed the podcast, we'd love to get some listener support. As little as 99 cents a month could help us out tremendously. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm, search SCTM Preps Podcast, and click on the listener support button is all you got to do to help us out. We'd really appreciate it and really appreciate your support. And thank you for listening to SCTM Preps. This is the SETN Podcast with Chris Goforth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. SETN Preps, Chris Goforth, Chandler Morrison. We are back with you once again, and we are ready to uh, dive into another week of high school football. We have got uh, five games we're going to be talking about. We've got, of course, uh, some news and notes that we always like to get to as well here on this uh, on SETN Preps. Whenever we we get together, we try to do that from time to time, bring you, keep you uh, updated on what's going on. Uh, in uh, high school football around the area. So, Chandler, let's go ahead and hop into that right quick uh, before we get to too much other stuff. Obviously, the big news this week has been Chris Jones, the uh, head coach at South Pittsburgh, now former head coach at South Pittsburgh, as he resigns uh, early in the season. And uh, South Pittsburgh's played only one game this year. They had other games that were either canceled or postponed uh, so they had only played one game thus far, and Chris Jones uh, bails, heads back to Canada in the Professional Football League in Canada, where he will continue to, uh, I guess, continue his professional career there as a defensive coordinator. Uh, Heath Grider, who has uh, been a longtime assistant at South Pittsburgh, he is the younger brother of Vic Grider and Wesley Stone, uh, another guy that is a, a longtime assistant coach at, at South Pittsburgh. Those two guys are going to take over as co-head coaches. We go through this every year, Chandler, in January and February and again in the spring where we have coaches leave. Sometimes mid-summer. I was going to say, we had a situation this summer with Shannon Williams where he had taken the head coaching Mm -hmm. job at uh, Ottawa and then – was there for, a, I don't know, what, six weeks maybe? And then all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. And so Udawa's trying to scramble around in, in July and trying to, you know, they end up promoting uh, Goose Manning to head coach there. So we're used to it at those days. We're not used to this in the middle of the season, though. I mean, that's what's so, that's what makes this so bizarre is that somebody would quit in the middle of the season, I mean, that's just, I don't know that I have ever seen something like this happen where there wasn't some sort of scandal, there wasn't something that forced a change, but somebody just saying, nah, I got a better offer, I got to go. Yeah, and that is just unfathomable to think about that, Chris, and, and, and here's the thing, like, it's one thing to say, yeah, I got to do what's best for me and my family. It's another thing when you have taken the time to invest in those kids like every coach in our area does. Because if you think coaching is just X's and O's in the high school level, it's not. You know, usually the most successful coaches are the ones that are not concerned with the wins and losses ultimately. Are they concerned about winning? Yes. But they are concerned 
about how those players do, what they do once they leave that program, Chris, not just going to college, but, you know, are they are they productive members of society? Are they people that are going out there and, and you would trust them with whatever you're doing? Yeah, are they good husbands? Are they good fathers? Exactly. And And here's the thing. When you give up in the middle of the season like that, that for us and for me, Chris, that just irks me the wrong way because it shows me, do you really care about football? Because football, when you say you care about football, it's more than just X's and O's. It's more than just coaching during the week. It's it's being there for those kids and guiding them to be better, better, better husbands, better fathers one day, productive members of societies, great workers, good work ethic, and investing in those kids. And when you leave in the middle of the season like that, that really shows, and I hate to say this, Chris, it really shows your true colors as a person. When, you know, I can understand if you got that and you're like, man, I got to go later on, like, you know, and gave a warning maybe later in the season, like, I'm going to finish out this season. But leaving in the middle of the season like this, Chris, I mean, that's just, well, that's just low. And Chandler, it goes back to something that was the concern that I started to have when his name was being floated around about this job and the fact that he mm-hmm. had interest in this job. Because coaching at 1A high school football in the state of Tennessee yeah. is a whole lot different, man, than coaching at whatever professional level. Uh, you know, number one, the kids are different. Mm-hmm. You can get after those guys a little bit hard when they're, you know, cashing a check. With yeah. high school kids, it's it's a little bit different. you got to know what buttons to push and, and when to push them with a high school kid. And the second thing, and and I think at the end of the day, and look, I, I don't doubt that this is was a great opportunity uh, for him and his family. I, I'm sure financially it was because, you know, if, and, and we'll talk about, you know, all the benefits of, of being the head coach at South Pittsburgh, but one of the drawbacks to it is, uh, you know, the Marion County school system is a small rural school system in the state of Tennessee. Uh-huh. They don't pay those guys a ton of money. None of those coaches are making a ton. None of those teachers are making what they should be making. So when you're the head coach at a 1A program in the state of Tennessee, that field has to be mowed. You're pretty much the guy that goes, you're the groundskeeper. You're the head coach. You're also the groundskeeper. You're also the guy that comes in and washes uniforms. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of really unglamorous things that go along with being a head coach. And to a lot of guys that kind of come up through the ranks in, in, in coaching high school, they learn that. And you just understand that that's part of the job, that you, you know – Look, I'm going to go to the field house on Saturday, and I'm going to put a load of clothes in to wash, you know, a load of uniforms in the washing machine. And when they finish, I'm going to have to put them in the dryer, and then I'm going to have to get them out and, you know, hang them back up, put them back where they go, and all of that kind of stuff. That's part of the job. That's the unglamorous job. Everybody wants the Friday night lights. Yeah. Nobody wants to do the Saturday work. Nobody wants to do the Sunday work because that's the difference in, you know, coaching in, in a, at a smaller school versus coaching at a larger school. Look, there's plenty of large schools 
two in our area, and their head coaches mm-hmm. do the same thing. I don't. I'm not just going to single out our our single A coaches because they're not the only one. And you got to be willing to do that. And that's something that when you're coaching at the collegiate level or the NFL level or the CFL level, you don't have to do that. You don't have to worry about fundraising. Somebody else takes care of that for you. And at the high school ranks, you got to worry about fundraising. You're managing a budget, too, that is is not millions of dollars. You know, if you're lucky, it's a couple of tens of thousands of dollars. And you got to make everything happen within the, the confines of that. And so it's not an easy job, and it's not for everybody. And just because somebody has success at other levels of football, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be successful at the high school level. Or they can... They're willing to make the sacrifices and do the things that you have to do at the high school level. Yeah, and two things on what you just said, Chris. One, you know, we talked talk about this the other day. I can't tell you how many coaches we've called or texted, and we don't get a response right away. But we understand that's because they've got so many other things to do, not just practice, not just, you know, X's and O's, doing this. There are so many things that, you know, whether it's a coordinator, head coach, anybody on staff – that they're going and doing on a daily basis. Oh, I you know? can't tell you how many times over the years I've called a head coach and yeah. left a message or sent them a text, and, uh, you know, an hour or two later they get back to me and apologize and go, hey, sorry about that, I was on the mower. Yeah. Because they're yeah, mowing and, the field. Yeah, because, I mean, that's part of their job. Like we talked about, you know, uh, a couple of years ago with the Grundy Can job, that was one of the requirements, and that's why somebody quit out there was because they had to mow the grass out there. So they're like, I've dealt with this. I don't want to do this. But um, – and the other thing about this, Chris, is you talk about this. Even from a college-level coach to a Macaulay Baylor, which is the top end of what we do, the private schools, they're as close to a college, school, college program as a high school program can be. You know, and, and even at that rate, there's still a lot of things those coaches are having to do, even at that level, that they're not doing at the college level. Right. I mean, and, and I don't think people understand. They think, well, you know, you talk about these big schools, you know, like maybe Damon Floyd at Bradley Central or Ralph Potter at McCollum. They're not having to do a whole lot. Yeah, they are having to do a whole lot because they're still a high school coach. You know, they may have some things stripped away from them because they have more people, more volunteers, more resources, but they are still doing a lot of stuff that – People don't even see, people don't even know because they don't know what the coach's life is. And that's why we try to hold these coaches in such high regard sometimes because they are really sacrificing more than just, oh, I want to be a coach. They're sacrificing a lot of times their Saturdays, their Sundays, their evenings, you know, and maybe time that could be spent with the family, maybe time that could be spent doing a hobby or something like that. They're spending it on football. Yeah, and look, the you know, I, I guess my point that I was trying to make is this, is that – at most of the schools in our area, nobody is just a football coach. You mm-hmm. got to be an educator. Yep. You got to be, you know, again, you got to be the head groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. You got to be the traveling secretary. You got to be the accountant mm-hmm. and the accounts payable person mm-hmm. yep. and the the chief fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And so it it's all boiled into one rolled into one, and it's not an easy job for anybody. Yeah, so, if you, if you, yeah, if you want to coach, 
Go be a coordinator at a high school at a high school team. Be a coordinator. Be an assistant coach. Because if you just want to coach and that's all you want to do, do that. Because if you want to be a head coach, you're going to have to come up with all these other responsibilities. I, I've talked to several coaches that have made that transition from coordinator to head coach at the high school level, Chris. And the biggest thing they say is, I did not know it was going to come with all this baggage attached to it that even I didn't see my head coach when I was a coordinator do. Right. Right. So, um, you know, again, as far as South Pittsburgh goes, look, Heath and, and Wesley, they know what they're doing. Coach Grider and Coach Stone, they know what they're doing. This is not their first rodeo, and those guys are going to be fine. I think X's and O's, those guys can match wits with anybody. Um, Wesley Stone is a heck of a defensive coordinator. And his guys will be in the right place. Uh, Heath Grider was the offensive coordinator um, for Vic for a while. He has been, uh, I guess a good way to describe him was he was kind of Vic's eye in the sky for a long time because he would be the guy that would be up in the press box and would be, you know, uh, talking to the coaches on the sideline about, hey, guys, this is what I'm seeing. South Pittsburgh's going to be fine. Uh, Look, they're – you know, I, I'm not worried about that at all. I think, if anything, it may galvanize those kids even more. And the chip on the shoulder just got a little bit bigger, and I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, you know, the other part about this, too, about Chris Jones skipping town, is that, one, he canceled the series with Marion County, which was a mistake, never should have happened, Yeah. Uh, for bogus reasons. That needs to be, and that will be resolved, and it will be brought back when, uh, when there's a whoever the next head coach is, that'll be or they won't that they be won't resolved. be there long. <laughs> well, no, it'll it'll be resolved. That'll that'll be resolved. And the other thing is, Scott went out and scheduled a ridiculous schedule now, mm-hmm. and and then bolted. You know, you've still got. Yeah. They, they weren't able to play against Murphy, North Carolina, but you've still got North Jackson, mm-hmm. and you've still got Oakland on the yeah. schedule that you've got to contend with. So he didn't do them any favors. Well, and I, I kind of have a little bit of respect for that because I've been saying for years South Pittsburgh needs to schedule tougher because when you – now you're in a position, Chris, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about this, and I know we've got some other things we've got to talk about in this podcast. South Pittsburgh is in a position, Peabody, Fayetteville, South Pittsburgh, in that order. You know, as far as who can win a state championship, I think it's those three, and then everybody else is just you know kind of. I would agree. If they get, and so to me, in order to get above a Fayetteville and a Peabody, by the way, South Pittsburgh state championship game last year, they lost to Fayetteville, and I don't think anybody really expected them to lose to Fayetteville until they actually got there, Chris, and everybody saw what happened. To get there, I think you have to. Now, I'm not going to say that that's not – I think it's a horrible situation that you schedule all this and then you're not even here to finish out the schedule to see this through. But I do – that's the only positive thing I can take away from this is maybe South Pittsburgh has learned, hey, now we can schedule a little bit tougher and not be scared to do it because we've seen maybe – Well, I, maybe let, me, let me say this. I don't, I don't think South Pittsburgh's ever been scared to schedule yeah. or play anybody. I teams. think the I think the problem has been they've had a hard time trying to find people that will play them. Because if you're a three A school, if you're a three A school outside the Sequatchie Valley, let me yeah. put it like that. If you're a three A program, a two A, a three A 
4A program and you're outside of the Sequatchie Valley, what is the what is the benefit of it? What's the yeah. what's the win for you to go play South Pittsburgh and risk what is very likely you losing that game to a 1A program and then you've got to hear about it from your people about how goodness gracious we just lost to a 1A school. Well, yeah. that a lot of that is 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 didn't have anything to do with South Pittsburgh as much as it did yeah. the other programs that but he did get have those refused games scheduled. to play them. He did. My point. He, he did. He went, you know. Now, yeah, crazy. I mean, that's that's crazy to play Murphy, yeah. North Jackson, and Oakland all in one year. That's, mm-hmm. but hey, that's the schedule. They're going to go play it. I still think those kids will be fine. I still think they represent the East in yes. the in the state championship. So I don't think that there is, you know, again, South Pittsburgh's going to be fine. They've been through mm-hmm. coaching changes before. They will be okay. And the other thing about the scheduling over there is the Valley schools are a good gate. Hmm. So why do you want to go and schedule a team that's three hours away that may be a, a decent 3A, 4A, 5A program? If you can find somebody that wants to come in, who is going to want, you know, are, are they going to bring fans? That's the other yeah. thing. Now, I think Oakland will. Don't get me wrong. That's yeah. that's a different story, and you know the series with North Jackson's a good thing. I actually think South Pittsburgh wins that game. I think they beat North Jackson. Yeah, I do. I do too. But that's the other thing is, look, when you play the Sequatchie counties, the Bledsoe counties, the Grundy counties, you're guaranteed a certain gate. I think because you know people. <laughs> well. Yeah, in South Pittsburgh's case, yeah, they've they've done really well against those programs, but it's it's you get a good gate, and those games mean stuff to people over there. You know, South Pittsburgh playing Bledsoe and Sequatchie and you know Grundy, those games, you know, Marion obviously, Whitwell. I mean, it's a region game, but. Uh-huh. Those games over there, they mean something to people because those rivalries have been in place for years and years and years. So I, for one, think those are the kind of rivalries and the games that should continue and not be given up so you can go play a Murphy, North Carolina, or in Oakland. That's my opinion. So yeah. there, that's, that's where I stand on it. But, again, I think South Pittsburgh's going to be fine. I think folks will be impressed with how that team rallies and performs from here on out. They got two good guys in charge. All will be fine. But I think it's still crappy to, you know, pull up stakes and skip town after uh, after only, you know, what are we, three, four weeks, whatever, into the season, and you've only been yeah, able to play one game. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, one other news and note this week, Chandler, that I have is the fact that as we record this on a Thursday night, knock on – some sort of wood, if you can hear that. I'm knocking on wood. I'm knocking on mine, too. No games have been canceled this week. In our area. In our area. Now, there's a handful across the state, but nothing Four. in our area yet, <laughs> I say yet, nothing in our area has been canceled at this point. So, hallelujah. Yep. You got anything to add? 
Well, I think it's great that we're getting a full slate of games this week, and it'll just be, you know, I even noticed last week as I put in scores, it felt like we were having a lot more games, and it was hectic, and I know it's going to be even more hectic this week, and that's the way I like it when we're putting scores in, is scores every five seconds coming in on Twitter. But Donovan Stewart said that there have been more games canceled or postponed this season already than we had in the entire season last year. I had a sense of that. I had a sense that we had yeah. way more uh, just so far than all of last year because it didn't feel like – last year, Chris, it felt like we had one or two a week in our area. Maybe. Maybe one or two a week. If we had two, it was crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. This year we've and had we've had ten a couple a of week. times. Yeah. 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 So. All right. Let's get into it. Let's uh, – speaking of the Sequatchie Valley, let's start there. <laughs> it's Marion County and Bledsoe County. We haven't seen Marion County in a while. And I think there's always some concern when you have a long layoff about whether or not you're going to be able to pick it back up. Can you come back in and be sharp, or do you come back in and you're a little rusty when play resumes? This is an interesting matchup. Uh, And Marion's defense has been really, really good this year. I think defensively this Marion County team is going to statistically at the end of the year, they are going to be one of the best defensive teams in our area. And I think this has a chance to be one of the best defensive teams Marion County has ever had. I think if you're Bledsoe County this week, you want to get Harmon Keith, your quarterback, and you want to get him out of the pocket, roll him out, get him on the move. I don't think he stays in the pocket. I think that could be bad news for Harmon Keith if he stays there. I think what they've got to do is get him on the run and let him let him make his throws outside the pocket or tuck it and run if that's the, the option that he's given. The other side of this, you got Bledsoe County's defense going up against Marion County's offense. And if I'm Bledsoe, I'm going to load the box. I'm going to load the box. I'm going to play single-man coverage on the outside one-on-one, and I'm going to commit everybody to stop the run, and I'm going to make Marion County throw the football in order to beat me. One more thing, Chandler. One more thing on this game, and then I'll turn it over. uh, Well, two more things on this game, then I'm going to turn it over to you. Two big keys to watch for in this game. Number one is first downs. I don't think either one of these coaches want to get behind the chains early. First down will be important. You don't want to you don't want to be faced with a second and thirteen or a second and fifteen or a second down and nine. You want to have some success on first down, so you're looking at second and six, second and five, second and two, those kind of things. The other thing is you got both teams that have guys going both ways. Depth is a factor. Which one of these teams will be fresher in the fourth quarter? And that's uh, another thing that I think you got to look out for in this one. Yeah, Chris, I, I think this is effectively a battle for the second seed. I'm not counting Tyner out yet, but this could very well be for second place in that region. I love to see it. Two hard-nosed Valley teams going up against each other. You know, this will be in Pottville. They always show up to play when they're in Pottville. Those, those fans on both sides always show up. You know, I, I think this will come down to who has the ball last. Both of these teams can score some points. I don't see this being a runaway game, Chris, unless someone just surprises me. Because I think both these teams, I think Marion County has the better defense, but I think both these teams are kind of on the same plane. Um, 
I think both these teams can score some points. I think they're going to surprise us with how many points they score against each other. Um, I don't know that Marion County, though, has faced a backfield quite like the one at Bledsoe County yet. I'm not saying they won't. I'm saying they haven't yet, you know, because they've still got some pretty good pieces back there in the backfield, Chris. And that, to me, is going to be the difference in this game. How well does this Marion County defense hold up against uh, those guys in the backfield for for Bledsoe County? It's an interesting game. Uh, Total points scored in this game. I'm going to, let me set it. I'm going to set the over-under on total points scored in this game at 59.5. Oh, wow. Do they score over? Do they score oh, 60 man. or more in this game or under 60 combined? That, that means they both got to score 30, Chris. Golly. Are you – Am I too high? Are you – Am are I you, too are high? You are you moonlighting as a Vegas guy? Well, Chris? maybe. Maybe. A- hey, I gotta <laughs> gotta make this house payment some way. This podcast sure ain't getting it done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would take. I would honestly. I think I would take the over on that. To really? Be with you. Yeah, I know I, these are two defensive teams, but golly, when those offenses get to rolling for both of them, they roll. I. I. Uh, yeah. No, I agree totally. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Remember that. I said 59 and a half, and on Monday, we'll see if I'm, we'll see if I'm right. Uh, Ray County and Ottawa this week. This is our uh, CW Friday Night Rivals game, so you can watch this one on the uh, CW Chattanooga on Friday night. So I got a chance to talk to both of these coaches this week. Uh, Ottawa is finally going to have their starting line back. Uh, mm-hmm. They have not had their starting offensive line since the Jamboree due to contact tracing. So the center is a sophomore who they're very high on, but he will make his first varsity start going up against Ray County. And, of course, Ray County plays that 3-3 stack defense. So they're going to have that that Udawa center. He's going to have his hands full trying to handle that nose guard from Ray County on on Friday night. I think Udawa's got got a speed advantage here. The, the thing is, if you're Udawa, if you can't get the ball out to those guys, it doesn't mean anything. So that speed doesn't do you any good if you can't utilize it. I want to see how Udawa sets up their play calling in this game in order to maybe soften some things up a little bit to give them an advantage on the outside. Uh, because I do think that Udawa has got guys that can run away from you. Now, Ray County, there's no secret to it. You know what they're going to do. They're going to do what they've always done since Mark Pemberton has been there is they are going to line up and they are going to run the wing tee and they're going to run it again and again and again and they're going to dare you to stop it every single time. Mm. And I know it's cliched to say, Chandler, but I really think this game and talking to both coaches this week, this game is going to come down to the play in the trenches, Ray County's probably a little older up front on their offense. Uh, defensively, they're young. Udawa is has got a nice mix. They we I talked about a sophomore starting at center, but you know they've got juniors and seniors they're putting around this guy. So again, I think whichever line is able to 
establish themselves first is going to be who gets the lead and who ultimately wins this game. I really think, and I know, you know, everybody's rolling their eyes listening to this because that is the most cliched thing in football to say, but this is one of those games. I expect it to be a really physical football game, and I expect both teams to run the ball an awful lot Friday night. Yeah, that 3-3 stack, Chris, is bringing me back to my playing days in high school. I always loved being the nose guard. I would hate when we run like a four you know, forefront, and we'd have to go to, like, the side, have to get in between two. I always love going right up against that center and just manhandling that center if I could and just pushing them up through there. But, you know, I think this is a crossroads game for Udawa because, you know, you've got the back, You've got things in place. I think they have to play a close game here, Chris, if they want to be in the playoffs because let's just face it, as of right now, we've got Ray County, and Walker Valley, and those are two in the lead for, for this region, To in my mind right now. I've not seen everybody play everybody, but that's what I'm looking at. I think they have to play a close game here if they want to be in the playoffs, and if they want to be a home playoff team, I think they're going to have to win this game. I don't know if that's possible, but you know, I believe this can be a playoff team. They have to get together and figure out what their identity is. I don't see an offensive identity for them, at least yet. That's a – not- that the, the Goose Manning said the same thing to me this week, yeah. talking about his team. He goes, "We don't know who we are yet, because yeah. we haven't. But we we got an idea, but we don't really know because we haven't been able to have all our guys on the field at the same time. So Friday night's going to be the first time that happens. So, uh, yeah. and I think to your point, Chandler, I think there may be a little bit of a kind of a get to know you or a feeling out period that they're going to go through. Friday night in having all of these guys together now that, uh, you know, they got a ridiculous schedule. Yeah. Seven yeah. teams, seven teams on the Ottawa schedule won at least eight games last year. Seven out of the ten, and all ten made the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, they got to play Baylor next week. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, get ready for that. I mean, here's the thing. I think – this could turn into an absolute shootout if they get in the right mindset because I think if Udawa wins this, they will have to come from behind because I don't see them getting ahead of Ray County too quick in this game. They're going to be coming from behind on this one. I think Ray County, though, needs to show me a little bit more consistency across the board. It sounds like every, it seems like every time we talk about Ray County, hey, did you see that Ray County game? They came from behind, and they were down by two touchdowns, and – I want to see a little bit more consistency for them. I want to see them get in a game, take it over, and just stomp on people because they could do that if they really set their minds to it, Chris. I just think they struggle with getting on top, staying on top, and not making these go go back and forth, the shootouts. The they, they win the shootouts, Chris, and that's fine for them, but I want to see a little bit more consistency, you know. And I wouldn't be surprised if this Udawa offense is able to keep up with Ray County, you know, if, you know, with their starting linebacker, with those kind of things, Chris, it sounds cliche, but when you get a full starting line and you get them going and, and you get your guys in the trenches like that, it can make a world of difference. This may be an entirely different team, Udawa team than we've seen than this earlier this season at all. I mean, but just on the offensive line alone, you know, they've been sputtering this year for Ray County. And I feel like they're getting ready, excuse, excuse me, for Udawa. I feel like they're getting ready to turn the corner offensively. And that was even before, you know, we started talking about the offensive line. I think they're getting ready to turn the corner. But will they be able to turn it quick enough against Ray County? 
Well, and here's something else about Ray County. You go back to last week. We, we talked about it a little bit uh, on our show Monday about the uh, them beating Anderson County. Ray County was down 20 to nothing in that game in the first half mm-hmm. and came back and won 35-33. Let me say that again. Let me put that into perspective. They were down three touchdowns and came back and won, and they did it running the wing tee where yeah. they threw. I think they attempted eight passes in that yeah. game. So it's not like they're, you know, they're running some up-tempo spread, you know, run-and-gun kind of offense mm-hmm. where they're throwing it, you know, 40, 50 times a game or something like that. I mean, this is a wing-tee offense, but that just goes to show you, I think, how efficient Ray County is offensively is that yeah. you're down three touchdowns, and it's not like they they have a fallback plan where they go, oh, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to move our quarterback into the pistol and we're going to go five wide and we're going to run all this. They don't do that. They are a wing T team and they run the wing T come hell or high water every time. So, yeah. And that's why I want to say more consistency because with that wing T, you can't always dig yourself out of a hole when you're in a wing T because there's not a lot of Hail Mary down the field post plays that you can run into when you've got that wing T formation. Let's go to our next one. It's the Holy War. That's what I've dubbed this uh, this matchup for a long time now. <laughs> Call it the Holy War. It's Silverdale and Boyd Buchanan. This is a good rivalry, and it's one that, for the most part, has been controlled by Boyd Buchanan over the years. So let's see if Silverdale now can pull one out. The pressure is on, I think, the Boyd Buchanan defense to get stops because I expect Silverdale to pull out all the tricks they're going to spread the ball out to as many of their playmakers as possible. I think they'll get. It. They've got guys. There's a lot of guys at Silverdale that they have faith in, and I expect them to get the ball to as many of those guys as possible in this game. I think both of these offenses will score. So, which defense can get the stop? Who can come up with a turnover? That's where this game between these two is going to be won or lost. Yeah, this is a classic rivalry. I, I, I don't think Boyd Buchanan, Chris, is where we thought they would be at this point. I think I think they are a little underrated, but, you know, they've had a tough schedule in the past two games. Their offense has been there, but their defense has just struggled to keep up with whatever anybody's throwing at them. I wouldn't be surprised, Chris, if this is a shootout, if this is even more of a shootout than what you had in, in the CCS Silverdale game because it is a rivalry. You can throw all the stats, all the stuff out the window. But I believe this Silverdale defense is solid, and they'll be able to hold up against this Boyd Buchanan offense. And, Chris, let me tell you something. If Brett Ro- is Brett Rogers playing? If he's playing, if he's in the game, it's going to be difficult to stop him. I mean, the amount of offense that he just – I mean, this dude – you talk about a player that puts the team on his back and says, all right, let's go, boys. That's the one. You know, and he's just too much on either end of the spectrum. Silverdale is balanced, and I think that's the key in this one. Boyd Buchanan has had trouble stopping the run this season. I think they've had 700 in, in maybe two or three games. They've had 700 yards, uh, rushing yards against them, you know, and that's more than they've put out. I believe as good as a team, as two-dimensional team as Silverdale is, that will be even harder for Boyd Buchanan to be able to stop because just on Brett Rogers alone, you've got a balanced team, and then you add everything else in. Let's go to CCS and Notre Dame. Another holy war, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame has yet to score a point in a game this season. Yeah. 
in the two games they have played on the field, they have been outscored 81 to nothing. They lost to Walker Valley and to Knox mm-hmm. Webb. They did get a COVID win over Hickson, and they've had a bye week, but they have really struggled on both sides of the ball. Look, Notre Dame just needs something, win or lose. Notre Dame needs something good to happen in this game. You know, put together a nice drive, score a couple of touchdowns. They just need something good to happen. CCS comes in. They are one and three. And I'm sure this is a team that is licking their chops to get to this game after struggling against Silverdale and losing. They lost to Baylor. They've lost to McCauley. This is going to be an opportunity for CCS to feed Boo Carter until Notre Dame proves they can stop him. This was a good game last year, really good game. CCS won this game last year 43-39. to So now I don't know if this year if it's going to be able to live up to, to equaling how good that game was last year. Uh, Notre Dame hadn't shown they can stop anybody yet. And so for CCS, this may be a get-right game where they can kind of, you know, get themselves, remember that feeling of of getting a win, uh, playing against somebody that's probably a little closer to them in size and talent than the Baylors and the McCauleys that they've been uh, dealing with this year. So uh, we'll see how it plays out, but I think Notre Dame's going to have their hands full. Yeah, and Chris, before they even moved to private schools, you know, moved to the private division, Back, you know, seven, eight, it's almost been 10 years or so since they've done that or so. I don't know how long it's been, Chris. But, you know, CCS and Notre Dame used to be in the same division. I mean, these are two schools that this rivalry goes back deeper than most people realize. Um, and they, these two teams have kind of fallen off the map this year. CCS, more recently, and I would say it's not as legitimately fallen off the map as Notre Dame is because I think CCS is very, very underrated, very, very undervalued at this point. I think the team that wins this game will have some significant motivation heading in this region play. And I think CCS is legit. You know, I think they are – this is a get-right game for them. Like you said, Chris, that Silverdale team is really good. They've had Baylor. They've had McCauley. Do not turn a blind eye to CCS. I'm telling you, don't do it. For Notre Dame, I think this game is do or die for them. If they have any aspirations of making the playoffs, I think it has to start here. Do they have to win this game? No. But I think it has to start here in this game. Something's got to give. Notre Dame has got to put up some offense, any offense. You know, like you said, they've yet to score a point in a game so far this season. I think this game could be crucial in determining where is Notre Dame the rest of the season. I don't think it's very far, but do they make some progress in this game? Where is CCS? Are they really are they are they really as good as we think they are and kind of stepping over Notre Dame, or they struggle with Notre Dame. You know, that's the real questions I have in this game. What is the final score in this? Because if it's a blowout in CCS's favor, I think we know everything we need to know for the rest of the season. Last game we're going to talk about, McCauley and Knox Catholic. you got two teams that are both 1-0 in region play. McCauley won a nail-biter against NBA on the road, and Knox Catholic beat Baylor by 10. I think McCauley is the most balanced team in our area. They can beat you running. They can beat you throwing. They're very good at both, and you have to respect both when you go up against them. You don't cheat McCauley and say, hey, we're going to commit another guy to the box against them because they'll throw it over you. You can't lay back and say, hey, we're going to play a lot of nickel or dime against them 
with with a couple extra DBs in the game because then they're going to run the football on you. That's what makes McCauley so good. Knox Catholic is 3-0, and and they've hammered people. They beat Chucky Doak 63-7, to and they beat South Green 52 to nothing. The key for them is Keandre Jarman. Know that name for Friday night. He rushed for 113 yards against Baylor. Their quarterback is Jaden Neal, and he threw for 162 yards. The difference, though, uh, and let's be clear now, this was a 10-point win for Knox Catholic over Baylor. They It was 31-21, but the difference in that game was a pick six and a 38-yard field goal. So it's not like Knox Catholic came out and just kind of pushed Baylor around. Yeah. Uh, if, if you make mistakes, Knox Catholic can beat you. And if McCauley plays like they're capable of, I don't think McCauley's got anything to worry about unless they make the mistakes that Baylor made and that, you know, you give them the football back, you give them a pick six. Um, clearly, Knox Catholic has a good – they've got a good kicker, kid connected from 38 yards, so you got to be mindful of that. But unless McCauley just absolutely – you know, you know, if it's one of those four turnover kind of nights for Macaulay, and they hadn't had that in a long time, but if it's one of those kind of games, they're going to be in trouble. Otherwise, I think Macaulay wins comfortably. Yeah, this is number one and number two in the state, by the way, um, in, in Division II AAA, and, and by default, really, in the state in general, because typically Division II AAA is just better than everybody, even some of the bigger 6A schools like uh, Maryville and Oakland, you know, this could very well be, Chris, the state championship matchup in Finley come December. This might not be the only trip that the, you know, this might not be the only time we see the Irish taking on McCauley. I'll say that. And honestly, I don't see a better game in the state this week. We, we know Baylor is kind of on par with both of these schools. You know, Cat, Knox Catholic, toward the end, I mean, they, they made some, you know, Baylor made some mistakes, yeah, but Knox Catholic kind of ran away with it there late, you know, and especially in that second half, holding on to no points. For me, this is probably the best two teams in the state playing against each other. And if you need a game to go watch, go ahead and buy your tickets now. I know you could buy them online. <laughs> but, you know, this is probably the most underrated game in the state this week, mainly because it's not NBA and Brentwood going against McCauley. It's Knox Catholic. And I think right now Knox Catholic is the big contender that could go up against McCauley and take them down. I, know, I may be overhyping this game, Chris, but I'm willing to take you that are. chance because I – I, I think that Knox Catholic is better than we are giving them credit for. And like you said, if McCauley doesn't play a great game, Knox Catholic is going to pick them apart. If the, you know, it may not, it's not going to be, it's going to be a close game if they do win. I'm probably overhyping this game, Chris, but I think this game is going to be a, is a huge game. And I think this could potentially be your state championship matchup come December. Chandler, let's get to our rankings. Are, are you ready? I'm ready whenever you are. We do this every week. We give you our top five in the large schools and our top five small school rankings every week. So, Chandler, I think I started last week. I'll let you start this week. Let's go your top five small schools. Chris, I had a little shakeup here. Uh, number five, I did have Signal. Uh, they they lost Friday night uh, by a pretty big amount to Mex County. So I've got Tyner Academy in there. I think Tyner's really good. I regret ever taking Tyner out of my top five, so sorry to the Rams. Um, number four, I've got Bledsoe County. Number three, I've got Marion County. They both play each other this week. Uh, number two, I've got South Pittsburgh. I did have South Pittsburgh at number one, Chris. I took them down. 
I've got Meigs County, not because of anything South Pittsburgh did other than just not playing football. Um, I think Meigs County is just so impressive. I mean, even though I took Signal Mountain out, Chris, I still think Signal Mountain is a solid team. And it's not many teams in our – there's not many teams in our area that go up against a solid team in a division higher than the division you play in and just ramrod them into submission. And so, to me, that's why I've got Meigs County at number one. Meigs won by 34 last week, and Signal Mountain played without their starting quarterback. So, uh, I agree. You've got the same five, I think, that I've got. I've got Tyner at five, Bledsoe at four. Marion County at three, South Pitt at number two, Meigs County at number one. I, I think those are, um, I think those are the five best small school programs in our area, and um, you know that two A region is brutal, absolutely brutal. All right, let's go with your large school rankings now. All right, we'll start at number five. I got East Hamilton. I still think they're really, really solid, really, really good. Um, number four, I've got Silverdale. I mean, it's hard for me to take Silverdale any, any lower than four, to be honest with you. I could even consider moving them up a notch, but I think they are just so good right now, and Brett Rogers is just on fire for them. Number three, I've got Bradley Central. Um, number two, I've got Baylor. By the way, Bradley Central ranked number five in the state in 6A. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a couple teams ahead of them, but they're pretty high up. Uh, number two, I've got Baylor. And number one, of course, I have Macaulay. I, I still think Baylor is up there. I still think they're better than everyone else in the large school classification to me. So I'm not really, like, wanting to pull them down. Because here's the thing. When I look at that CCS score against Baylor, we think CCS is pretty good and could probably compete with a lot of those 6A, 5A schools, Chris. And Baylor just thumped them, you know. And so to me, that's why I've got Baylor where I do instead of maybe – down at three or four or something like that, because I think Baylor McCollar is still ahead above everybody else. Well, I've got Walker Valley at number five. Oh, okay. Because I'm a believer. Uh, right. I've got Silverdale at number four. I got East Hamilton number three. Okay. I've got Bradley number two, and McCauley's number one. You got Baylor completely out. Yeah, wow. Baylor's Baylor's not there. Baylor's wow. not there. Baylor's not Are there they now. Number, Baylor Are they number can. Six? Baylor would probably be number six. Yeah. Okay. Baylor would okay. Baylor would probably be number six if I if I went number six, but it's only a top five, so that's not to say Baylor can't climb their way back in there. And I'm sure the Baylor people are heartbroken that uh, yeah. I don't have them in the top well, five. We'll say what you just said, Chris. I hope Phil Phil Massey's probably going to go over there, get a recording of it. He's going to walk into the locker room before that Baylor McCauley game and just play that bite. And then say, "Let's go, boys." <laughs> well, I I generally get two hundred and fifty dollars for motivational speaking. So if they want to go ahead and make that check payable, I can uh, swing by there off of Signal Mountain Boulevard and or Signal Mountain Road and pick it up. So you're, you're selling yourself a little too high there. Now, now comedy, comedy, I could see, I could see a little bit more, but motivational, I don't know, you know. Uh, Ooh, that's a little rough. Uh, I'm not sure what I'll motivate you to want to do, but uh, <laughs> sit on the couch and watch watch some football is all you'll motivate somebody to do. It may motivate you to go to sleep, but anyway, <laughs> that's going to do it for us here on SETN Preps. We appreciate you hanging out and joining us this week. We do this every week. We do it twice a week, as a matter of fact. New episodes come out every Monday, every Thursday. So if you're not a regular listener, we would encourage you to join us. Uh, Wednesday, uh, 
Mondays and Thursdays. If you're headed out to a game this Friday night, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to tweet us uh, at SETN Preps on Twitter. And uh, also check out our Twitter feed on Friday night. If you need a score to a game, we got you covered at SETN Preps. Do what the news stations do. They check us for the scores because they, they retweet us a lot. So if you yeah, are uh, just copy and paste. <laughs> if you are uh, if you are looking for a score Friday night, check us out at SETN Preps. And we got the nice graphics too, man. I yes, mean, we, we do. We got some nice graphics out there. Yeah. There's nothing cheap going on in this podcast. Except for your motivational speaking. Yeah, probably. well, and I'm <laughs> I, I, the price is going up. Price is going up. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you again on Monday. Enjoy your Friday night football, everybody. Hey, this is Chandler from SETM Preps. We hope that you're enjoying the SETM Preps podcast and all we have to offer. If you really, really enjoyed the podcast, we'd love to get some listener support. As little as 99 cents a month could help us out tremendously. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm, search SETM Preps Podcast, and click on the listener support button is all you got to do to help us out. We'd really appreciate it and really appreciate your support. And thank you for listening to SETM Preps.